0: Community Alliance with Family Farmers presents Season 2 of the Farmer's Beat Podcast. That's B-E-E-T. My name is Emily Buer. I work with the Community Alliance with Family Farmers, also known as CAF. I'll be your host for this episode of the Farmer's Beat, where we hear directly from small family farmers around California for real information and stories behind the food we eat, In this series, we'll pay particular attention to the innovative work small-scale farmers are doing to keep their food safe to eat and share techniques farmer to farmer. This season, we'll have more episodes on food safety, but before that, we're devoting our first two episodes to on-farm research trials, starting with a weeding method called occultation. To kick off our season, we're headed to Nevada City, where we'll visit a small-scale organic farm called First Strain Farm.
1: My name is Tim Van Wagner and uh, my farm is First Rain Farm. For me, First Rain Farm really captures our climate, kind of this monumental event every year. After we have six months without rain, you get that first rain. You get the smell, you get the moisture, everything gets cleaned off, everything gets renewed. You can just feel the energy and things shift.
0: We visit First Rain Farm on a January morning in the thick of the rainy season. There's a running creek at the base of the farm, which is tucked away in a pretty unlikely place, a forest.
1: We are in the Sierra Nevada foothills at about 2,500 feet. We're right at the fringe of the lower foothills and the upper mountains. And specifically, this microclimate, it's moist, it's cooler. I mean, this is not your flat valley prime farmland. This is a real patchwork of open space and forested space and trees love growing here so yeah it's a very diverse place and I think our farm kind of mirrors that
0: Tim runs a diverse operation he says it's a juggling act of integrating systems and managing various revenue streams for starters he grows seeds for wholesale production
1: we're looking at four beds of carrot crop for seed this is a variety called mini core
0: he also grows mixed vegetables for the local farmers market restaurants and grocery stores
1: These beds are actually planted to shallots. It's a gray shallot. They take about two months to come up. It's amazing. Tim likes
0: to get adventurous with his produce. He's dedicated an acre and a half to perennials, like blueberries and raspberries. He's even started cultivating mushrooms and oak logs in an effort to incorporate the forest in his farming methods.
1: I think the Paradise Fire really just made us think more about the forest and where we are um, because our region is so similar to that community that burned it kind of like galvanized me and we own this land. And in the past, I think it was just like, oh, we have a house on this land. And I think now people are like, we have this responsibility to manage our land. We've really branched out from just our production fields and tried to include in our perspective, um, the broader landscape, the forest that surrounds us. How do we integrate animals into that?
0: Tim has 50 Nubian dairy goats, He sells their milk and meat, but the goats also play a crucial role in managing the property and providing compost for the farm. Tim takes us to a large barn beside the creek where the goats live.
1: I designed it in a way that was easy to be cleaned out, easy management of that manure. Our animals go back to the barn every night, and so that means we're we're capturing half of their manure and urine. And so the animals essentially are the engine of my farm. Just this year, we stopped applying a pelletized fertilizer to our fields. We simply rely on a high-quality compost, which we apply topically in our no-till system, where we're not even incorporating it into the ground anymore. Without the goats, what would we be doing? Um, We'd have 40 acres of land, which would essentially require physical or mechanical labor, and we'd be buying compost or pelletized fertilizer. But now we don't have to do that. And so for me, I mean, on a very broad sense, that's what I really love about it is the challenge of farming and specifically of integrating systems of how to farm better, you know, from the environmental side of things, from the economic side of things, from the social side of things.
0: Given Tim's love of integrating systems and a good agriculture challenge, we knew he'd be the perfect farmer for our occultation research experiment. Again, that's occultation. It comes from the word occult, which means to hide from view.
1: Occultation is the covering of the ground with a material that creates an environment between the soil and that material that helps to germinate seeds in a light-deprived environment.
0: Translation: Occultation is when you apply a thick tarp or plastic sheet to cover the soil. It's weighted down with rocks or sandbags, which traps moisture and warmth under the tarp.
1: Essentially, the goal is to create this warm, humid environment right up against the soil. It's the optimum conditions for decomposition, seed germination oftentimes, but yet there's no light, so anything that germinates is not going to thrive, it's going to die.
0: Basically, occultation kills weeds under the tarp. They're then consumed by worms and other organisms, which destroys the weeds on the top layer of the soil. The goal of the occultation experiment was to learn whether occultation reduces weeding labor, improves crop size, and increases yields versus growing crops without occultation. Tim completed the experiment back in June along four foot size beds using two varieties of beets. He takes us on a short, slightly muddy walk to where the experiment took place.
1: So we are in our, um, our upper field, we call it, and it's our sunniest spot it's got really nice loamy soil up here and it's about two acres of fenced area we've got our solar panels here we've got a big high tunnel this is where the tarps were we had the different test plots in here for samples we tarped this first half and not the second half
0: after tarping tim planted two different types of beets for the experiment detroit dark red and three root grex with occultation the amount of time it takes for seeds to germinate and die varies by season During the summer, like when the experiment was conducted, occultation takes just a few weeks. In the colder months, it takes longer. But no matter what time of year, the preparation stays the same.
1: This is how we do occultation.
0: Tim walks us through the step-by-step process. Step one, irrigate the beds.
1: A real key factor for us has been making sure there's enough moisture under that tarp. You are creating a lot of heat, and it's not perfectly sealed. So the heat wants to escape that tarp the heat takes moisture with it. So you want to make sure that you've really irrigated that section really well before you cover it to have the desired effect.
0: Step two, prep the beds.
1: So for us, that looks like raking it out, applying our layer of compost on the top.
0: Step three, cover the beds.
1: We'll cover it with a tarp. We're not using a woven tarp. This is a poly tarp that's not permeable. You essentially unfold that tarp onto the ground, and you want to anchor it to the ground because you don't want it to blow off. You don't want to lose that kind of continuous warmth that you've created under the soil. So we use sandbags and we put them about every 10 or 15 feet on the edges.
0: And then step four, this is the easy
1: part. Let that tarp do the work for you. It just sits there and it's working for you just by being in place.
0: In analyzing the results of the occultation experiment, Tim says he saw a higher yield on his beets and a lower weeding requirement on the beds that were covered with tarps. The sections that weren't covered experienced poorer germination, poorer yields, and more weeds. So yes, occultation saves time on weeding. But even if it didn't...
1: It's still worth it for us. There's all these other benefits too. holding the beds, digesting crop residue, helping the compost.
0: But it's important to mention that compost may have skewed the results. The compost Tim used for this experiment wasn't aged very well. Because of the moisture trapped under the tarps, the compost in the covered bed needed time to decompose, while the compost on the uncovered bed dried out. Once the beds were irrigated, the uncovered compost became active again, and that didn't react well with the beet seeds, which may have contributed to poorer yields.
1: Probably irrigating it more along the way would help, but then you're also going to germinate more weeds. The best would be to really make sure that the compost you apply is fully aged to where you feel like it's not gonna reactivate uh, after drying out.
0: Tim says he's constantly learning how to optimize his process and discovering new benefits to occultation. In fact, as he leads us around the farm, it's tough to find a bed he hasn't tarped.
1: Yeah, we'll take a peek under this tarp, take the sandbags off, and usually I'll, I'll, I'll take little peeks underneath, see how things are going.
0: Tim tarps year-round for different purposes. Like when it's warm, occultation is great for weed seed germination. But in the winter, Tim says it expedites mature weed and crop residue decomposition, especially for crops like beets and carrots. Creative use of the tarps has other benefits too, like protecting plants that might not make it through the winter. Tim shows us where he's growing a new variety of beets. He says he's worried their roots may frost over.
1: And actually one thing about the tarps is we might be able to cover these If we knew the really cold weather was coming in, we could use the tarp for a couple days to protect them.
0: Then Tim takes us to his high tunnel, another example of the creative places he's tarped. Inside, we see he's dedicated the entire space to rows and rows of cilantro.
1: Now that we're inside the high tunnel, it's like occultation with light, (laughs) except for it's not right on the soil. But you know, it's kind of a similar thing. It speeds up all the processes in the soil and the growth of the plants. It's that it's the right environment for growth.
0: The high tunnel resembles a sort of solarized environment where everything is nice and warm and therefore decomposes faster. When the cilantro crop is done, Tim plans on tarping those too. And so occultation is a tool that integrates and enhances many small scale farming practices, including first rain farms transition to a no till system. In the past, they had a more traditional tillage system where they used a rototiller to turn and loosen the soil. Under that system, critters like gophers weren't exactly welcome.
1: And literally now I'll peel back a tarp and I'll see, yeah, there will be some voles and gophers and they'll go scurrying about. I don't even worry about them now because I see what they do, especially in our no-till system where our soil is not fluffed. You actually see that these rodents get in there and they're burrowing and they are loosening the soil. And so after you take that tarp off, it's like a fast forward. You see the effects of all the life that have been under optimum conditions under this tarp. The soil is naturally fluffed from that. It's like the whole thing kind of like perks up a little bit.
0: Since transitioning to no-till, Tim's also found that the soil retains moisture better, which helps improve germination. Plus, a no-till system also leaves his beds full of chunky material. Stems, for example.
1: We've just decided, well, we're going to work around those stems because those are actually still in the soil and they're feeding the soil and being fed on by the soil. And because we're not tilling to deal with all that debris, we've decided, okay, well, we're going to plant around those. This is a really good example here where we've had our fall beets and carrots. We just harvested these carrots on Friday. Now all the tops are here, right? So we put all the tops intentionally on the bed as protection further but then this will also get tarped.
0: In a no-till system, tarping speeds up decomposition without disrupting the soil structure. But with all the benefits to occultation, there are some downsides.
1: One potential hazard with tarps and tillage is a tarp concentrates moisture from rain. You know, it's a roof. All that moisture goes somewhere. Unless it's absolutely flat, which mostly it's not, you'll be concentrating water somewhere. And especially if you're in a tillage system, you've got a lot of loose soil. And there's a lot of potential for erosion.
0: Besides erosion, Tim says there's an even bigger disadvantage to occultation.
1: The tarps, they're a lot of plastic. That's the downside.
0: First Rain Farm will likely have to increase their use of plastic as they continue to scale up their occultation practices. But Tim says mulch has been a useful tool for preventing weed seeds from germinating. It also keeps the soil cool and hydrated over the summer without using plastic.
1: Like I said, I'm not so happy about all the plastic involved with the tarps. So we're like, okay, let's try just smothering some beds with mulch. So that's what we did on this lower one. We have about three or four inches of um, mostly oak leaf. And it was kind of to help smother the weeds, um, which has worked. This is also food for the soil.
0: Like the tarps, mulch acts as a placeholder so that the bed is protected and prepped before it's time to plant. It's another example of the trial and error that comes with integrating occultation into an organic farming system. You just need to see what works best for you and your farm. Tim's advice to other farmers considering occultation is to think in terms of details. He suggests focusing on the little things, like making sure the tarp fits the bed. You don't want a tarp that's too small.
1: Also storing these tarps. Think about how you're going to do that, because if you just fold them up and leave them in the field. We have had some rodent damage, and then all of a sudden you've got little patches of holes in your tarps, and weeds are just growing through those holes, and it's it's still mostly effective, but it's just kind of defeating some of the purpose. And moving the tarps, they're big. Some of these are like 150 feet by 30 feet.
0: Which is why I'll want to keep the tarps close to their storage space in order to move them as easily as possible. But like most organic practices, Tim suggests that farmers considering occultation try it out on a small scale.
1: As with anything in agriculture, it's good to start and experiment with something first before you just go out and buy $2,000 worth of tarps. Just kind of slowly start utilizing them for one season and then figure out if it's something you'd like to continue with.
0: Does occultation sound like something you'd want to incorporate into your farming practice? Head over to our website at calf.org. that's C-A-F-F.org. Under the Programs header, click on the Climate Smart Farming podcast link. There, you'll find helpful resources, links, and photographs all about the Farmer's Beat podcast. Also, follow us on Instagram, at the Farmers Guild to stay up to date on when new episodes are released and to see pictures from the farms featured in this podcast. The Farmer's Beat would not exist without funding from the Western Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education Program. We thank them for their support and helping real farmers share their on-farm research experiences with other farmers. Are you a farmer interested in occultation or have a question related to this podcast? You can contact us at farmersbeat at Thank you for listening, and join us for the next episode from CAF, sharing farm-fresh insights right from the field and giving voice to sustainable agriculture since 1978.